You led me straight to the lost city. Now, prepare to die. There are just hundreds of snakes in this temple just waiting for us to show up. What? Why aren't they biting that guy? This is ridiculous. Delete. 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 Listen, Loretta, we need you to promote your new book on the lost city. You can't spend your life in the bathtub drinking Chardonnay with eyes. Gentlemen, the world's sexiest cover model, Dash McMahon! You do know you're not Dash, right? Dash is a character I made up. Dash! I, I, oh my god. Oh crap. Miss Sage, I enjoyed your book about the lost city, and I believe you're the one who can help me find its treasure. I have to respectfully decline. I'm afraid I must insist. Unchain me! That's a seatbelt. Oh, no. Loretta Sage is missing. I'm gonna rescue her. I just want her to think of me as more than a cover model. Let's start living dangerously. Oh. Alan? What are you doing here? We're here to save you. I'm certified CPR. Oh. I'm certified CrossFit. Oh, oh. I have snacks. After that! This is like your book. We're on a Love More and Dash adventure right now. So I'm gonna help you out a little bit. What are you doing? Don't yeah, do that. Go. Oh, Come God, on. get out of there. This is not a romance novel. Jungles eat people like us. Ah, what is that? Get it off. Please. I can feel him sucking my soul. Flipping like a bandit. Yeah. Yeah. on me. That's how Feels like there's more. Holy mother of God. Uh, they're just sucking on my butt like a big old Jamba juice. Oh. We're so close. I could actually find the lost city. If I don't get to this island, my friend and her cover model are going to die. I am driving. Oh, 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 oh. The Red Sage, getting you out of here. Why are you so handsome? My dad was a weatherman. Hey, whoa, she doesn't oh. need saving in there. Okay. Uh, what are you doing in there? And welcome to an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen, and on deck for today's episode. My review of the new film, The Lost City, starring Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, and Brad Pitt. Movie stars galore. You'll get my whole thoughts on that in the middle part of this episode. And then at the very end, we'll have a, uh, a discussion on this year's Academy Awards and, of course, the most talked about segment and I can't remember how long. Yes, the the infamous now slap from Will Smith to Chris Rock. We'll we'll talk about all that, including all the other stuff that happened on the show. Um, obviously, it's been dissected to death. So you know, I have more to say uh, on the rest of the show than on that actual moment itself. But that'll be at the tail end. A um, lot of fun stuff coming up, though, folks. WrestleMania week is here. Um, I know I haven't been the biggest WWE like cheerleader in a very long time, but around WrestleMania time, I still get excited. I'm, I'm still overall a wrestling fan, even though I'm getting more enjoyment out of AEW. Um, but when it's WrestleMania time, I can still get hyped for that. And there's some stuff this year that I'm actually looking forward to. So look for another podcast episode to drop 
right after this one where I'll be bringing in Brandon McLaughlin, and this will be like the third straight year where we preview WrestleMania and the entire two-night card event uh, that's going to be happening this weekend from Dallas, Texas at the AT&T Stadium. So be on the lookout for that. Um, let's talk box office real quick before I talk about something else that happened this week that was just awesome to see. Um, so my wishes came true. The Lost City took the number one spot at the box office this weekend from the Batman who had held Reign King for like three plus weeks and it's made over $300 million. So that's already a success in itself. Did it need to continue to be number one? I'm sure for the diehard like comic book fans and the ones that just care about that stuff being successful at the movies, I'm sure they're pissed off. But me, I'm happy that The Lost City took the number one spot, making about $31 million. I predicted between 25 and 30 I said if it had done below that, I'd be worried. Um, if it did above that, great. That means, you know, these movies still matter. Movie stars can still have an impact at the box office. And I wish this was still the case for, for all movies. Um, so that was the big selling point. Movie stars being movie stars on the big screen. Um, a lot of female audience this weekend. Uh, I myself work at a movie theater, as I always say on this show. Uh, a lot of females coming out to check out The Lost City. Great date night movie, so a lot of couples. Um, and, and that's really basically what the sell is. Is like, come, you know, escape for, and the movie's not even long, too. It's about like an hour and a half, maybe hour 50 tops with trailers and stuff. But, you know, you escape for a little bit and you get to enjoy this. It's true escapism, right? Movie stars in a, you know, adventure type movie, rom com, stuff you don't see every day. And uh, you can have fun with it. And people still came out for that. So this is a good look for, for Paramount Pictures. First, for releasing this theatrically. You know, they could have easily pushed this and put it strictly on Paramount+. Plus, Which is usually the case for movies like this nowadays. Like rom-coms and, you know, stuff that's not really, like, brand-driven. So good, Paramount has had three hits this year. Scream, which we know horror is usually pretty you know, consistent at the box office these days, but still it wasn't a guaranteed hit that Scream, a franchise that's been around for over, you know, 25 years, we didn't know if that was going to be a hit, and it was. Um, we had the third or the fourth Jackass movie come out, and it had been a very long time since the last one. It's like, so that's not a guaranteed hit, and it was. And again, the the common theme with all these movies is like they're not like the biggest of studio movies. So like horror, yes, you could on the genre itself, it's it's a selling point, but you know, again, Scream didn't cost a lot to make, so and it did well at the box office, and now it's having its run on on streaming. So Paramount Plus gets the best of both worlds. Same thing with Jackass Forever, a comedy that usually would probably get put straight to streaming, and it made money at the box office for them. So Paramount two for two there, and now it's gonna have its fun on streaming. And and I'm sure this is the same thing's gonna happen for the Lost City. Is that it made money and I think it's going to continue because I think it's going to have legs. Um, cause it's going to play as a nice alternative for all the other big stuff that's coming out. So it'll, it'll hang around for a bit and it'll make what it needs to and then have its, uh, fun on streaming where other people can discover it. But very happy for Paramount, very happy for movie stars. Uh, although when it comes to movie stars, we'll talk at the tail end how I'm not satisfied with the state of Hollywood right now. Um, but yeah, good, good for that movie. Good for Sandra Bullock. Good for the studios. 
good for the movie theater going experience. Like, I don't, I don't know if a lot of like my friends and coworkers understand that is that we need movies like this to be successful because it's just gonna, it's gonna be better for our business. And I think it's better for the industry all around because it's like, Hey man, like there's other movies that can be successful other than comic book movies, other than just, you know, just big studio action movies and blockbusters and, you know, Star Wars and all that stuff. It, it can be won by everybody. Everybody can have a piece of the pie. So that was just another big example of, of, of why I enjoyed, uh, the Lost City winning this weekend. Um, it's going to lose this upcoming weekend, uh, and it might not be by much. So let's talk about what's coming up this weekend at the box office. It's the highly, you know, I don't know if it's highly anticipated, but it's very, very long delayed release of Morbius starring Jared Leto. Now this is a Marvel property. This is the first time they're doing a movie like this. Again, I'm all for, you know, original stuff coming out and it can't just be repetitive of the same stuff. But also, like, here comes another comic book movie, right? Now, this thing was supposed to come out, like, originally even before the pandemic. And the pandemic just pushed this thing to the brink of, like, I even kept joking around on social media saying, like, you know, is this thing just going to get released at the gas station? Or I would joke that release it on the Burger King app, you know, just being stupid. But here we are in 2022. And it was supposed to come out in January, folks. And this was at a time where movies weren't really getting delayed anymore, like, Spider-Man No Way Home, the biggest movie uh, since Avengers Endgame, that got released. So is there really an excuse to continue to push this movie? And it's like questions starting to linger. Well, is this thing even like good? Which, you know, Sony doesn't have the best track record, you know, and I know Venom's been successful and it's brought in a lot of money for that studio. But overall, the movies aren't that good. So and this is from like the same like makers not the same like director and stuff like that, but you know, it's got that same kind of tone. We're not sure. And it's, it's something like not Spider-Man, Spider-Man exactly, but it's related to the world of Spider-Man. So here's a chance for it to kind of be successful so they can launch something like this. Now it's got nothing to do with the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Disney, even though Spider-Man is a part of that for right now. Um, how's it going to do this weekend? Finally, after. I don't know how many delays and the final one, which was supposed to be released in January. Then they pushed it here to the beginning of April. Um, what am I predicting for this? Well, a lot of factors. So you got the post Spider-Man bump, right? So, and we had Venom pop up very, very briefly in the end credit scene of that. And Spider-Man also popped up in the post credit scene of Venom. Let there be carnage. So there's like, okay, is Sony building this little, Spider-Man universe, maybe that's why they pushed Morbius to add in maybe another scene or incorporate like all of everything that's going on right now. Um, there's that. So there's that possibility, the curiosity factor of it opening up high. So there's that. But then there's a couple of other things. First one is early word of mouth. This thing is screened a little bit for critics and I don't know who else. Um, the word is it's not good and it's awful and it's kind of like very forgettable. But this was kind of like the same thing for Venom, although Venom had the charisma and Tom Hardy going for it. So he was able to overcome a lot of what was awful about that movie or both movies, really. Like he carries the entire thing. So there, so they don't have that going on with 
Jared Leto, even though he is a really good actor, despite you know everything that he's done with Joker, and he's become like a kind of like a and you know people's choice for memes and stuff like that. So he he has that going for him, like in the negative aspect. But not to take away, he's still a really good actor. Um, he has an Academy Award, so you know can't take that away from him either. Um, so there's that early word of mouth that it's bad, and then I'm not big on like rumors anymore per se like and i usually don't really go into reading that stuff i'm i'm usually watching all my stuff now on youtube as far as like stuff going on with movies like if something pops up like i'll watch and there was something that came up about morbius where and i clicked on it i don't know why i was like hey, let me just see what this is and it had said you know morbius trailers misleading everybody and i was like oh well that's curious i just want to see what this is and when i watched the video it was somebody like you know compiling up like reports on uh, what they had read up on people who had seen Morbius and they were saying like anything that you've seen in the trailer as far as like references to Spider-Man and don't get me wrong the marketing for Morbius has been good but a lot of it has also been because it's all tied into Spider-Man itself like you see like easter eggs of you know the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man and then obviously we can't ignore the fact that Tom Holland who's currently playing the updated Spider-Man right now, like there's references to that with Michael Keaton's character of Vulture, who was in Spider-Man Homecoming, appeared throughout the entire marketing for this, including narrating like one of the final trailers. So I'm like, well, what, what do you mean misleading? So I watched it, and what they've compiled is that that anything that you've seen in the trailer will not be in the actual movie. Like all that stuff has been removed, edited out, and I don't know if it's a Sony tactic to try to get people to come out to see the movie or if it's Marvel kind of distancing themselves from this because they know it's awful and they don't want any association with it as far as like what's going on with their Spider-Man stuff that they're doing, including Venom, and they don't want anything to do with that. So there's those two things. So I'm starting to lean towards in the negative, even though I don't really go for the rumors and stuff but the fact that the early word of mouth is that it's awful leads me to believe that it's it may have like a very decent opening but then after that it's going to quickly fizzle out and the other the other third thing that i'm going to add to this is that maybe a lot of people have had their comic book fix you know for these last two go-arounds with spider-man and then the batman those were two like really good movies from a lot of the audience's eyes and maybe they've had enough for a while until maybe Doctor Strange comes out in May and they may skip out on this one just because of the unfamiliarity of the character and the the Jarrett Leto's a very like you know he's a a certain taste for people like you know not everybody's into him it'd be one thing if they had like a very charismatic like everybody loves this person like whatever for example like Ryan Reynolds or you know like a Hugh Jackman or something like that you know if Hugh Jackman was playing Morbius that, that for sure grabs like my attention right um so there's that so with all of this being said what am i predicting this weekend for morbius i wouldn't be shocked if it's around like 35 to 40 million now the highest it's projected if you go to boxoffice.com uh, the highest it has is, is 50 million and it may very well do that but i think it's going to have a very massive drop afterwards um because the word of mouth is going to reach that it's not good and again, of course, judge for yourself. You know, people may end up liking this. You know, audiences and critics don't really always align for that stuff. But the fact that it's been delayed for so long 
and even delayed in the post like us coming out of this pandemic and a movie like Spider-Man still being released. So why are you still delaying your movie? Like there's eyebrows to be raised there. So I'm factoring all of that in. So for me, 35 to 40 million and I'll give it the 40 just because, you know, it's a big comic book property and there's going to be people that are going to think it's connected to the MCU and all that stuff. And if all these rumors of, of all of that stuff not even being involved in the movie at all, then that's just going to piss off a lot of people. And, of course, that'll spread along with the bad word of mouth on the movie not being good, and it'll quickly fizzle out. Plus, we got Sonic the Hedgehog 2 looming next weekend, and then there's just going to be other stuff uh, week in and week out as we head towards the start of summer movie season. So um, I think its best bet would have been to be released in January with its flaws and all. Um, so that way it could have really carried the momentum of Spider-Man. Uh, cause it would have folks like people would have been like, well, here's the next thing. And they keep mentioning Spider-Man producers, the makers of same studio, all that stuff, the connections with Venom, like freaking Morbius even says that he's Venom in the trailer. Like there's all this connectivity. They should have left it in January. So that way you could at least try to make all this giant money in one weekend. And now we're looking at possibly, you know, at the highest 50 and then it'll dip really quickly. Again, I could be completely wrong and audiences may love this thing and it'll make, you know, over a hundred million, not in the weekend, but overall, but I'm starting to suspect otherwise. It's just everything's not adding up in terms of like, you know, in a trajectory of it being good. So, and again, I don't feed on the rumors, but that one that I just told you about of all that misleading stuff, if it adds into the bad word of mouth and, you know, the constant delays, that's a recipe for disaster. So, but we'll see. We will see. So, but, uh, Lost City, good win for Paramount, good win for the movie stars. Um, I still believe, folks. I still believe. Uh, let's transition here. I want to talk about one of my favorite, if not the best television show going on right now that just returned this past week. Um, and it's been gone, folks, for four years because of the pandemic and because of other stuff that was happening with the main star as far as like him possibly, you know, getting roles in big, huge Hollywood movies. So, and the other stars blossoming since that show premiered. So there's been a lot of like delays, but finally it's back. And that is FX's Atlanta starring Donald Glover, Brian Tyree Henry, Lakey Stainfield. Zazie Beats. This is the best fucking show on television, folks. And I know it doesn't get a lot of marketing, a lot of flash. Like, rarely I see it talked about anywhere unless you, like, deep dive for it. Um, but this is one of the most brilliant shows ever brought to television. I'm talking Pantheon. It's up there with, like, a Sopranos, a Breaking Bad, Twin Peaks. It's on that level, folks. Like, it's very freaking layered it's funny it's scary it's uh thought-provoking and there was a four-year gap in the last since the last season and they dropped two episodes for the premiere and it airs on fx on thursdays or if you're a streamer it'll be on hulu like the next day um but i caught and i was like man why are they releasing two episodes like i want this to drag out for a while because Again, TV's not that long anymore, so seasons don't really go forever. So, like, the first two seasons, I think, are, like, about 
10 or 11 episodes each. So I'm expecting around that same range for, for, for this upcoming season. So I'm like, why are they dropping two out of the gate already? And I know we're in a post like, you know, different world where, you know, everybody wants all their content dropped at once. I'm like, this is really like uncharacteristic of Atlanta. This is a week to week show because everything, every episode is so, is so different. It's not very, plot driven and narrative driven like they're all kind of like little vessels of themselves those episodes and if you see the series you'll understand what i'm talking about but i'm like two episodes like two episodes of atlanta for one week i mean i'm not complaining but it's also like weird but once you find out why you're like okay like that makes total sense after being gone for four years and you open with that episode like yeah i'm sure there was gonna people that were gonna be pissed off it's like well we're I won't spoil it, folks, but the first episode of Atlanta for season three, like none of the main cast is in the episode. And until you see it, you won't understand why. But it's also like one of those classic Atlanta episodes where it just like freaks the shit out of you. Um, and, I, and again, this show just checks all the boxes for me. You know, I've become a huge fan of Brian Tyree Henry. I, I think he's incre- he's an incredible actor and his comedic timing on this show is just just far beyond better than anybody's like he makes me laugh consistently on this show especially when he's not being put through the ringer horrifically uh with terror and all that stuff but other than that he's like super hilarious um everybody else on the show is obviously top notch but once you see the first episode like i watch the first episode and i'm like oh of course of course after all this time they do something like this to get you started until we actually get you know back on course with the the main characters and whatever adventure they're on for that particular episode. So the show's very weird. If you're not into that kind of stuff where, you know, you want there to be a soap opera-ish storyline where it's like continuing episode to episode, like that's not how Atlanta is uh is being told or their their whatever they're they wanna voice out about what this show is. And it's the same in the same way that like you know, Sopranos did it. There would be like episodes where like, yeah, it's stuff that's leading somewhere, but then they would do episodes where it's like, it's kind of to be more of a, like a, just, you know, in the moment, like get you to think of what's happening here. And it kind of has like nothing to do with what's going on in the, in the overall arc of the show. And Atlanta does that like very, very often as you're watching it. And you're either with it or you're not. And if you're not, you're going to be pissed off whenever they do episodes like this, including the one that they started with season three. But for me, it was like, oh, shit, this is scary. But also, like, of course, like, and this is exactly what I love about it is that it's you never know, A, like, what's going to happen in this series. Like, nothing's predictable. And B, like, it's just weird as shit. Like, (laughs) like, I love it. Like, that's totally me. Like, I love it when, when I get... Like, so an out of body experience watching television, like, and that's when you, what you get with Atlanta is like, you, you could be watching like a regular episode on this series. And then the next one is like, what the fuck was that? But also like, this is kind of genius and brilliant. So if you've never seen it, dive into the world again, it's not for everybody, but to me, this is the best freaking show on television. Like I'm talking top to bottom from the acting the 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 direction the screenplays the themes 
Um, you know, you can have your Squid Games and your Bridgertons and, you know, whatever you all still watch on your cable network, like your Grey's Anatomies and stuff like that. No, like, if you really want to get into a show that's going to, like, stick with you, like, way after it, like, finishes, and I think Atlanta's only going one more season, which is actually going to premiere, I think, later this year, so it's going to wrap up completely, and what I've seen up till now, like, and the episodes aren't that long either, they're some of the, like, most innovative, like, thought-provoking, brilliantly, you know, just art. It's, it's, it's high art. And, um, again, it's not talked about as much, but it's really, really good. And it's not even catered to like, you know, someone for me, like it's not, it's not catered to me, but I still can find the brilliance in it. I'm like, and I can resonate with some of the stuff that happens on that show. But, um, I, I think it's just an incredible, incredible show. And I hope if you're open to stuff like that, and I, again, I don't, I, I don't really recommend stuff to anybody anymore. I just give my thoughts on stuff. But if you're like somebody that's out there looking for a show to watch, like, okay, like watch this. It may not be your thing, but give it a shot. See if you like it. But it's back now in my life after four years. So it was well worth the wait and it hasn't lost a beat. It's exactly what it was before it left. And, you know, and again, we're in a different world now. But when this show, like, stopped airing, it was because its star, Donald Glover, was going to go be in a Star Wars movie. And all the other stars were breaking out and, and you know, starting to become big as well. So there was, like, questions of, are, are they even going to get have the time to get back together to do another season? And they filmed two back-to-back, and the third season just started now. And I'm assuming, again, it's going to be, like, about 10 episodes each season. So we're looking at probably... A little over 20 episodes left to go before this thing wraps up completely. And I hope it ends bonkers because the whole show is just bonkers. Um, but let's take a break here. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about The Lost City with Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, and Brad Pitt. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. I went from dying to being more alive than ever. Whatever you're eating is doing wonders for your health. I like to say I went vegan, but it's pretty much the polar opposite. Look at you. Give up. Handsome. Athletic. Strong. Charming. American. What else can I do? Morbius. A new Marvel legend arrives only in cinemas. Welcome back to the show. And once again, Morbius is out this weekend in theaters everywhere. Again, I'm curious to see how it's going to do. I really think the, the bottom end of expectations is what I'm looking at. But... Who knows? I've, I've been surprised and wrong before, so we'll see. Anyways, it's time for my movie review of the week. I got to check out The Lost City about a week ago. I went to one of those uh, early screenings that was dubbed Date Night. But, of course, I did not have a date myself. But still went to go check it out anyway because I knew there would probably be more guys there as opposed to the one that happened on Tuesday night. The one before, it was a girls' night out, so that would have been weird for me. So... Waited a day, went to check out that one, and I was very, very entertained by this movie. Um, not only did I want it to do well at the box office, but I was like, I hope, I'm hoping to get a good uh, movie out of this. And this movie is not so much, you know, the plot is what it is, right? Like, it's a hijinks uh, adventure in the jungle. Um but what the main sell of it is, as I mentioned a lot at the top of the podcast, is 
movie star chemistry and you know just seeing like larger than life characters um interact with each other on the big screen so you get that with sandra bullock and channing tatum and again i had only seen the the preview for this movie not that long before it came out and when i saw it i was like oh cool like I didn't think they were still making these movies. I thought they, these were just streamers now. But I saw Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum attached to it. And then very, very, like, out of nowhere at the end, Brad Pitt comes out. And I'm like, it. Like I literally popped in the theater when I saw it. I was like, whoa, what the hell? This is, this is great. Like, this is a nice little, like, in every year. And I know I, I'm, I work at the movies and I should know everything that comes out. I'm still surprised every year since I've been in the business where there's a movie that pops up and it gain, gets my interest. And I'm like, I had no idea this movie was even being made. So that was my like surprise for this year. Um, and, you know, Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock as the pairing as far as like romantically. I'm like, I kind of didn't see it at first. I'm like... You know, I'm not one for, like, the age gap. You know, whatever age is just a number. You know, obviously, be legal, of course. But, you know, she's a little bit on the, on the higher end, which, I mean, you know, no offense to her. She's just been around forever. But, you know, she's aged gracefully. Like, she can still get it. Like, I would date Sandra Bullock if I had the chance. Uh, but Channing Tatum's still, like, on that younger side. But, like, st- he's kind of getting up there also. But So I didn't see it there, like, in terms of, like, an age thing. Like maybe their their comedic timing won't work, their chemistry won't work. That's quickly put to rest because these two are you know fantastic together from the from the jump start. And what I liked about Channing Tatum doing another comedy like this is while he's kind of doing the same stuff that he does in the Twenty One Jump Street, which is like very brilliant comedy. And I didn't know he had that in them, and I'm sure he learned a lot from Jonah Hill and all the writers and stuff being on set for that. He brings that to this movie and, but he also elevates it too. Like he learned a lot too. So now I look at Channing Tatum, like this guy could totally do, you know, his own comedy if he wanted to. Like, I think he's on that type of level. His timing's great. And then of course, if you mesh the two right actors together and they bounce off each other where it's flawless, the movie, the movie plot could be what it is. You're there to see them like interact with each other and that's basically what it is. The the entire like hour and a half is just them riffing off each other, and it's a total like opposites attract. Um, will they or won't they get together? And you know, considering like how lovable and likable they are in their roles and the way they interact with each other, you're like, of course you want to see them get together at the end. And you got like a a silly villain who's like not really like that much of a threat, but I guess they have to have a villain. And it's Daniel Radcliffe who plays Harry Potter. For those of you like that don't watch any of his other stuff. And he's funny in it too. In fact, there's a line that he has in the third act of this movie where afterwards when I was, when I left the theater, like I was laughing about it in my car for like five minutes straight. Like there's just like nice little hidden lines in this movie. It's a movie that doesn't take itself too seriously. And you know, it's a jungle story looking for a treasure, you know what? Again, whatever, whatever the plot is, it is what it is. That's not what you're there for. You're there for the movie stars. And, of course, Brad Pitt pops up in this movie. And he's funny, too. You know, Brad Pitt can pretty much do anything he wants. So, I and I think he's also calculated. Like, he picks his stuff, too. Like, when to show up. 
So it's nice for him to do like a little cameo like this. Uh, while he's in it more than like a minute or two, it's still to me considered just like a small cameo. Um, and that's a little bit of spoilers too. If you're thinking like he's in the entire thing, he's not. Um, but, uh, when he does pop up, like it, it, it works and it brings like a, a whole other level to it where this could just be any other comedy, but the fact that Brad Pitt pops up in it, like elevates it even more, even though you already have Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, there, like leading the way. Um, much like earlier in the year, or like that, like it was that long ago, like in February when Marry Me came out, and starring Jennifer Lopez, like she's very good at these movies. She's larger than life, so that story works for that movie. And plus, the rom coms is her thing. Same thing here for for Sandra Bullock. Although this is more of a comedic adventure story with sprinkled with a bit of romance, like with little hints here and there. Again, she's great at these movies, so like. If she and I know she's going to take a little break from movies, if I read that correctly, you know, post this. But you know, she she's one of the last ones, like you know, back in the day, like Julia Roberts, where like you put her in a movie, it's pretty much almost a guaranteed box office hit. And I know there's a couple of stuff that she's done on Netflix, which I've never even heard of or thought to watch because to me, like the Netflix movie, I don't know, outside of like. The Irishman or a Don't Look Up, like I don't really take them seriously. I don't know what it is. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm just old school, and you know, maybe I need to change with the times. But until there's like stuff like that can really like, where, until you get like a, uh, you know, the Spielbergs hitting hitting streamers, and you know, I know Soderbergh's doing it, and Fincher's done it, but you know, until I see it become like the norm where they're, that's what they're doing here in and here out. Like then I'll start to believe like the streaming movies are the future. But to me, I still think studio movies on the big screen are like, that's the magic right there. Like that makes it larger than life as opposed to just something on a, on a, on an app where you can like, just, you know, put on whenever. Like to me, the lost city like has that Hollywood magic in it. So I recommend it based on that. Like, just based off of the movie star's chemistry alone is worth it for a date night. It's worth it if you just want to go get a laugh because the movie is super funny. Uh, the jokes land for the most part. Uh, the supporting cast is good, although there's some characters in there where it's like, eh. Feels a little forced, and plus, I don't know who the hell you are. Because um, think about it this way. If you had done The Lost City with, like, uh, whatever. I know every everybody in Hollywood these days is about diversity and... You know, giving everybody a chance, but sometimes you, you need that Hollywood, you know, star. You need the right people in those roles, regardless of whatever the race is. Like, it can't just be all about that. Like, you have to have the right people in these roles. Sandra Bullock is made for these kind of movies, so yes, put her in it. Could you put like somebody in a known, a, a TikTok star or whatever, whatever it is now that you look for in stardom? Yes, but it doesn't work the same. It really doesn't. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful to diversity casting and any of that stuff. But sometimes for the movies that you're trying to make and you're trying to make at the end of the day, it's a business also like you put like any Joe Schmoes in these roles and the movie's not going to make the same amount of money. You go for it because it's like, oh, shit, a new Sandra Bullock movie is out. And it used to be like that. It used to be like, oh, the new Denzel Washington or the new Tom Hanks movies out, the new Julia Roberts movies out. Let's go see that. That's what this is. It's a throwback, but I wish it would still uh, was like the standard and what we look to when we go to the the theaters on a Friday or a Saturday night. So yes, go check out the Lost City. It's uh, it's a lot of fun, 
And I, again, I think the movie's going to have legs, so it'll be around for a bit, and you'll get to go see it with a crowd. This is a, the other thing about this. I got to see this in a full sold-out crowd, so and seeing a comedy with a crowd is always better than laughing by yourself at home. Like that, to me, that's weird. Like, could it work? Yes, but one of the joys of watching comedy movies is in a theater with everyone, and we're all laughing at the same thing. That's awesome. You can't replicate that at home. So The Lost City, the number one movie in the box office right now. I'll go check it out. And let's take one last break here, and then we're going to get to what everybody's been talking about the last couple of days, the Academy Awards, uh, and specifically the Will Smith slap to Chris Rock. So we'll get into all that uh, as we end this episode here of Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. Amazing, astounding, marvelous, astonishing, phenomenal, breathtaking, smashing, superb, fabulous, fantastic, tremendous, wondrous, monumental, mind-blowing, terrific, radical, colossal, dynamite, staggering. We are officially on the road to WrestleMania. Welcome back to the show, and again, we are in WrestleMania week, and coming up uh, later, you'll see another episode dropped uh, where I talk with Brandon McLaughlin, and we preview the entire WrestleMania 38, folks, the 38th installment of WrestleMania. We're going to go over the, all the matches and stuff that we expect to see this weekend, so be on the lookout for that. All right, folks, it's time to talk about the Academy Awards, and I think I've only done one episode in the entire history of this show where I actually previewed it. And I remember talking about it with Daniel Tucker, who uh, I was actually texting with as uh, I saw the show on Sunday. And I got off early from work, so I'm like, oh, I guess I'll watch it live. I didn't really have an interest in it because there was a lot of stuff that I didn't see, if not all of them. I think the only Best Picture nominee that I saw was Don't Look Up. And I knew that it really didn't have a good chance because, A, it wasn't really well-received by everyone. And I didn't really hear much talk in the lead-up uh, in the award season. You know, And I usually – Daniel Tucker is my go-to person on that stuff. And he was mentioning other movies that were in the running for you know, taking the top honors. But there, I don't know. I watched it live. But whatever, I guess, because I had nothing better to do. You know, I didn't have any plans or, or anything like that. And I had been texting live with with Tucker uh, on everything going on in the show. So let's get to the elephant in the room, right? It's the it's the one thing everyone's talking about, and it's the one thing that shocked everyone when it happened. Because first of all, a like of how everybody thought it wasn't for real at first. It took everyone like a moment to realize, and then even after the fact, everyone was still kind of like, "What was that real?" So. Um, Chris Rock was out to present an award for, I think, best documentary feature or something like that. Right. In hindsight, like nobody's going to care about what the award was for. Right. It's just what happened in the lead up to that. So he comes out and everybody at these awards shows in some way or form gets roasted all the damn time and we as the audience love it we love it when hollywood gets poked fun at and whatever so chris rock comes out he's a comedian you know he's gonna throw some jabs out at the stars he's done it in the past he's done it forever and ever and i know we're in a different culture now where everybody gets offended by everything 
But still, for the most part, comedians can still be comedians and throw jabs and everyone just ha ha ha, even though the joke might be like a little uncomfortable or make people feel uneasy. Like, for example, there's always be- shots being thrown at Leonardo DiCaprio's way as far as like him dating like younger women, even though they're women like of legal age. But still, like, he gets made fun of for it. And, you know, we all laugh, but some of he may feel uncomfortable when he hears it, but he also himself laughs at the joke. So Chris Rock makes, uh, I think he notices, you know, Will Smith and Jada. And he makes an offhand comment about, you know, Jada Pink starring in G.I. Jane 2, which is a movie that was made by Demi Moore back in, I think, like, 1998, I want to say, 97, 98, around there. Um, and in the movie, she has, like, a bald head. And, you know, because she's going to be, like, a Marine or a sh- soldier. And he just says it off the cuff, ah, G.I. Jane 2, looking forward to it. Whatever. Um, obviously, we didn't hear about till after the fact, and even I didn't know this, is that uh, Jada Pinkett Smith does suffer from alopecia. So, in hindsight, yes, Chris Rock should not have made the joke. But I don't even think... In the moment, like, he's even, even if he did, I don't think he was poking fun at that. It was more just on the the look of it. Looks like G.I. Jane, like Demi Moore did, you know. For those of you that don't know your film history, like, look it up. It was, like, the same style of haircut or whatever. And uh, you see Will Smith react to the joke. He laughs at first, and they cut back to Chris Rock, and he's, like, you know, getting ready to present the award. And then he notices, like, somebody coming at him, and it's Will Smith, and he comes up, and just straight up like slaps the shit out of him and as soon as that happened at least on my feed like this bleep happens where you don't hear anything for like i want to say a good 30 seconds and i remember texting tucker like oh shit like did did that just happen and it wasn't until like they they cut back to will smith as he was already sitting back at his seat and he's like mouthing off and he looks like super pissed and then they cut real quick to chris rock and he like looks like befuddled and i'm like oh what like and everybody's instant reaction right was to go to twitter and everybody it was immediately the talk about for everything it was one of those like this is what twitter was made for moments which uh tucker did tell me later on like this is like a top five night for twitter and it certainly was and it still is right because everyone is still talking about it even on youtube there's all these videos out of everybody dissecting it is it real is it not whatever you know, you can have your theories about that or whatever. I'm going to give you just my take on it. Um, first off, like, very poorly handled by Will Smith. Now, you could say, oh, Chris Rock shouldn't have made that joke. But, okay, let's say he didn't know, right? He's just a comedian making a joke. Everybody's fair game there in Hollywood. Like, everybody gets poked at. And this goes into the larger problem of of the broadcast, right? Because earlier in the show... I think if I remember correctly, like Amy Schumer was doing uh, fat shaming on Jennifer Lawrence, like doing that, like that's like not cool. There was a, a segment with, uh, I forgot who, who the third host was. So it was Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes, and was it Regina Hall? If I'm getting that right? I mean, it was very forgettable, her performance. But she did do this one skit where she has a list of, you know, attractive men talking about getting a covid test and it's purely done out of like a like a sexual thing like she's just like horny for these guys 
and she even makes a, a crack at Will Smith and Jada Pinkett, like you know, and they've had their their marriage stuff put on public display for everybody to know about, like their the infidelity and all that stuff. So you know, you put your stuff out there for the public to hear about, like you're you're fair game. I do this podcast and, you know, friends or whatever have a right to like criticize like my opinions or my takes or make fun of stuff that I talk about or whatever the case praise or you know criticize like I've put it out there I'm putting my voice out there like I'm fair game same thing for the Hollywood stars that go to all these shows that in the history of time we've seen stars being poked at all the time and and either everybody laughs it off or like you know they'll comment about it later like oh I didn't like that I didn't like that joke or I didn't appreciate that they said this and it was in poor taste cool you could do all that but what will smith did on sunday was just like that was mind-boggling like who does that and especially someone with will smith stature he's so freaking famous one of the biggest movie stars ever like i know it's easy for us to say like oh i wouldn't have done that like but really like it wouldn't have taken you that long to realize hey like i'm one of the biggest stars ever all the cameras are on me, and if I do this, and especially the culture that we're in with social media and everybody can have an instant take on it, this could not be anything but bad for my reputation. So he does that. So I'm totally on, like, I feel bad for Chris Rock in this situation. Like, in hindsight, yes. Should he have made the joke? Probably not. You know, and I, and I think I've only heard little things about like that he didn't know about it but either way like it could have been anything what if chris rock had made like a joke on the their marriage thing which he certainly could have done and what if he had done the same thing but you know regina hall or whoever it was that made that joke earlier like it's she can do it and get away with it like i don't know it's just it's just a very bad situation for will smith and what made it worse was the the him winning the Oscar later on in the show, which was totally, totally predictable. I was like, watch if he wins, like watch, he's going to, he, of course I'm saying this to myself. I'm like, he's going to absolutely cry his heart out. And don't get me wrong. He did. He cried a lot during that speech. Like, cause he couldn't have won that award and just given up a straight speech. Everybody would have just been like, what he had to get that sympathy back from that audience. You know, he was already condemned online and all that stuff. But as far as, like, in the audience live there, he had to get that sympathy back. So, of course, he was going to cry his heart out. And, you know, I'm not a super religious guy. Like, I have my faith in God and all that stuff. Um, like, But that's between me and God and, and all that stuff. I don't like to push that on anybody or anything like that. Where Will Smith really lost me was he started, like, you know, using – God as kind of like justification for like not what he did, but it was a weird like weaving of what had happened previously there on that stage and just with his performance as uh, King Richard in that movie about the Venus Williams sister's father or the Williams sister's father. um, It was a weird combination of both, but the fact that he was using God in that weaving into the speech like that just didn't sit well with me and what could have made this way better for him just in terms of a reputation would have been like just to apologize then and there even if he didn't mean it 
But uh, yeah, Will Smith to me does not look good today. I know he apologized already for it, but um, and all you know, I'm willing to forgive, but I don't forget. Like I can't forget. Like no one's ever going to forget what happened that night and in that moment. Um, very hard for me. You know, I would. I know he apologized to Chris like through that Instagram post or whatever, but I really would like to see like a video like apology like and them together like that I think is will be the only thing that will I don't want to say make it go away completely but it'll get people to move away and have people stop speculating and theorizing and all that stuff that's what I would do like if I was at in Will Smith's shoes and that big of a superstar and knowing like this is probably going to damage my reputation because at the end of the day no one's going to remember him winning the Academy Award everyone's going to remember what he the act that he did that Act of aggression and violence. Um, but that's what I would do. I'd call that guy up. I'd call Chris Rock and be like, hey, look, man, like, look, man to man, I'm sorry, like, personally, but also, like, you know, just for the reputation's sake for both guys, I guess, it'll look, you know, Chris Rock doesn't really have to give him that or owe him that. But I would, if I, again, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of Will Smith's reputation. I would be begging, like, please, man, let's like let's get in front of a camera and let's squash this and and you know move on from it. But uh, that wasn't my only problem with this thing on this show. Was the the Academy Awards have been dipping a lot in viewership, but again, a lot of that is also the changing habits of how we watch TV. Everybody's usually streaming or stuff on DVR. Very rarely is stuff watched live unless it's like the big things like the NFL or sports in general, uh, even pro wrestling, you can add to that because it's a live show. Um, so that stuff is still thriving, but everything else, like the ratings have changed for everything. So you're not getting those gigantic numbers unless you're the Super Bowl. You're not getting those big numbers for your stuff that you're airing on television. But a lot of what was going into the dippings of the ratings for the Oscars is that it, because it's starting to become a lot about those movies that nobody's, watching you know and you know back in the the oscars have always had movies like there in their nominations that you probably never heard of or you know rarely heard anybody talk about but you know you'd still have like your your giant movie stars and you'd have those giant movies like you know your forrest gumps and saving private ryan's and your titanics and stuff like that where people would want to tune in oh is this big movie gonna win the big award but it hasn't really been like that at least for the last, I want to say the last 10 years in the Oscars, it's been very like smaller movies. Um, so the Academy wanted to change, change things up and make the, the show more, you know, hip and more for the younger people to tune in. And as I watched all of this entire show, including like that ridiculousness of, of the Will Smith incident, um, the show felt very much like the video music awards. Whereas a lot of like mean spirited humor, uh, a lot of weird musical performances, and the show just didn't feel very elegant and prestige, which is another thing that have made the Oscars the Oscars, right? I know people have called it like, oh, it's boring, it's too long, and it's like whatever. But you're celebrating all these movies that have been made and all the achievements and all that stuff. You want to celebrate all that stuff, the the sound and the editing and the costumes and the makeup, all that stuff is while it may not be like the most uh, entertaining thing, but at least it's being celebrated. It's elegant. It's prestige. 
and I didn't get any of that for for this year's Oscars. Like it was just a very like it just felt very, very a very immature show. And uh, I love movies as much as anybody. And this is the Academy Awards, and it acted it acted as if you know the especially coming from like the hosts and some of the bits that they did. It's like that they hate movies. Like you know they're knocking movies like and I haven't seen them like The Power of the Dog and Coda like. What was the joke that Wanda Sykes made? She's like, Power of the Dog, like a really good movie. I've seen three times and I've gone halfway through it. Meaning like she's watching it on streaming but not giving it the respect of finishing it all the way through. Now she may have well, very well have seen the movie, but that's not how she comes off in giving that joke. She's kind of like just showing like that these movies are nothing. And and I know I, I said earlier I don't think the Netflix movies to me are like the real deal. But they're still they're still nominated. They still should be given that respect. And that's the way the Oscars should be treated. As these movies should be like celebrated and given the highest recognition, not be made fun of as if they're nothing. And I think the whole show was like that. It was just very weird. Um, and they also edited a lot of the awards, and they were given off air. Like as I mentioned, like um, I think costume and makeup stuff like that was like they were done before the actual telecast. And then they were just inserted into the show like sporadically. And you could tell because it was there was weird cuts and like the speeches were sped up. It was a very, very weird uh, telecast. And the, the show still ran longer than years past where they had all the awards included. So it's like what was the point of even cutting those out of the main show if the show ran longer anyway? Just show the respect. Uh, for all the categories and make it more prestige and elegant and everything else felt weird too like the in memoriam thing was weird um it was like a musical number as opposed to like you know playing like a just a very subtle classical score in the background by the band or the the orchestra there in the in the theater and just showing all the pictures of every everybody that had passed away um, from from this past year and said it was like there was weird moments i think i i mean of course this was in the aftermath of the will smith stuff so i was texting back and forth with daniel tucker but then i looked at one point when they're doing that in memoriam and there's like a shot of jamie lee curtis holding a puppy and it's like what the fuck is going on and then i see bill murray and it looks like he's gonna pop some jokes but it's like he's paying his respects to ivan reitman who did pass away the director of ghostbusters i, I don't know it's just very weird and it just felt very tasteless um what else you know i mean amy schumer did good in some spots like with her comedy but again like the whole thing of like everyone's gonna be mad at chris rock for making that joke but she was fat shaming jennifer lawrence and wanda uh, regina hall being all thirsty for all these men but like you put a a male in that same spot and he does that joke uh, as it as it pertains to women like let's say it was Hugh Jackman up there, and he's making a list, like, whatever, uh, you know, Lady Gaga and this and that, and making it a, a sexual thing. Like, it would not be viewed the same way, and it'd be, like, totally offensive. But here it's supposed to be played off as a gag. Like, I don't know. There's a double-edged sword there. Like, come on. Like, don't be don't be a hypocrite and don't do things like that. The Godfather, celebrating its 50-year anniversary in, in, in film history. And they had freaking P. Diddy introduce 
the montage for it, which in itself to me was a disgrace. Like it was set to like all this hip hop music and just stuff that just had nothing to do with the Godfather. And it just made it feel very like it was trying to attract that young audience. And it's like, don't you dare disrespect the Godfather, the greatest fucking movie ever made by doing that. And then they had De Niro and Pacino and Francis Ford Coppola all come out. And it was a time to like give them a moment maybe to talk about the movie for a little bit. And Francis Ford Coppola did talk, but then like Pacino and De Niro are just standing there. They never say a word. It was just all very weird. And to me, like it didn't make the Godfather. It made it seem like it was just a movie and not like one of the most important pieces of, of film history. And I, I thought that was just very poor execution by the producers of this show and everything that they were trying to accomplish with this telecast. Like there's 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 more overall in the scheme of things. Obviously, everyone's just gonna remember the Will Smith slap, which is freaking awful and just a low point of of the show. But the the entire thing was just bad. This is not the VMAs. This is the freaking Academy Awards. Come on now. Like, damn. Like, I mean, in history, like it's a good thing that I watched it live because of everything that happened, but. In hindsight, like, oof, I would rather forget this Oscars ever happened. And, uh, yeah, that, that's my take on it. Like, if you don't agree with it, fine, whatever. You know, I, I could give a rip. But I'm just giving you my thoughts on not only what I thought about the Will Smith stuff, but just the overall show was just very, very, just felt like a nothing, you know. It's the way, like, WrestleMania. WrestleMania used to be, like, this grand thing, like, this, you know, the biggest show you look forward to and you have the biggest stars and the best matches. And now sometimes it just, these last couple of years, it just feels like a show. Like it just, it has the title, but it doesn't feel like it. And that's the way the Oscars have kind of become where it's got the title Academy Awards and you have the big Oscar title on it, but it doesn't feel elegant and prestige anymore. And they need to get back to that because if not, people are just going to completely tune out and it's heading that way. And Sunday night's telecast did not help matters. But it is what it is. People are going to continue to dissect it and everything, but I've given my thoughts on it, and I'm I'm ready to move on. There's a lot of good stuff coming up, so can't can't dwell on it. And that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Again, look for another episode to drop a little bit later where me and Brandon are going to talk about WrestleMania. And I know I just did this whole speech about how WrestleMania is not WrestleMania anymore. But in terms of like us getting excited for it, that's still there. Um, and that'll be coming later. But you could follow this podcast on Spotify. Search Palace Off the Top Rope. Hit that follow button. I would greatly appreciate it. I do share this uh, podcast link through all my social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through podbean.com. You can download the app. You can, uh, if you're an Apple person, download the Apple Podcast app and search Palace Off the Top Rope. Give me that five-star review. Leave me any type of criticism that you want. Again, just like actors and, and stars putting their voices and their talent out there for the public to, to hear and see, we have opened ourselves up to criticism and uh, an opinion. So uh, I always look forward to that as long as it's constructive. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, go check out The Lost City. Again, it's the number one movie right now in America for at least another week and we'll see you uh, later in the WrestleMania 
hype show. So thanks for tuning in, guys. God bless.